We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Go, you Redbirds! Go, you Redbirds! On the battle, fight for ISU! Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of In the Nest, the Illinois State Redbirds official weekly podcast from Learfield. Coming up on this week's show, we will get you caught up on all of the fall sports action from this past week as well as take a look ahead at a very busy homecoming weekend on the Illinois State campus. We will also sit down with the recently retired Dick Lucky, who spent 36 seasons on the microphone as the radio voice for Redbird football and men's basketball. But first, let's get you all caught up on the latest action in Redbird athletics from this past week. Brock's back in the Redbird football team were just 3-14 all-time against Northern Iowa inside the UNI Dome in Cedar Falls. But by Saturday night, ISU had picked up their fourth victory inside one of the most difficult venues in all of FCS football. The Birds outlasted the Panthers 23-21 and in the process improved to 3-2 overall and 1-1 in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Quarterback Zach Anikstead completed 29 of 41 passes for a season-high 257 yards and a touchdown. Redshirt freshman running back Winkers Wright returned from a shoulder injury to score his first career touchdown in a Redbird uniform, 
while fellow redshirt freshman Ian Wagner had a memorable debut for ISU as the place kicker connected on three of four field goal attempts en route to being named the Valley's Special Teams Player of the Week. Junior linebacker Kenton Wilhoyt led the charge with a career-high 11 tackles at his first sack of the campaign, while senior linebacker Zeke Vandenberg and senior quarterback DeAndre Lamont each registered eight stops on the afternoon. The Birds now return to Hancock Stadium for homecoming 2022 this Saturday as they welcome in the University of South Dakota for a 2 o'clock kickoff. Allie Matters and the Redbird volleyball team were also in Iowa this past weekend for a pair of matches against the top two teams in the conference. Recent injuries have left the Birds shorthanded as ISU dropped back-to-back matches to Drake and Northern Iowa on the weekend. Freshman Ada Shadewald had a team-high 15 kills in the loss at Drake on Thursday night before notching a career-high 16 kills on Saturday evening during the Birds' four-set loss in Cedar Falls. 47 of the Redbirds' 56 kills on Saturday night were recorded by freshmen. The Birds are now 8-10 overall and 1-6 in Missouri Valley Conference play. ISU opens up a two-match homestand Friday night against Indiana State. The ISU soccer team opened their conference weekend last Thursday night with a scoreless draw against Valparaiso at Adelaide Street Field. Junior goalkeeper Daniela Gerges recorded the first Redbird shutout of the season in net and snapped ISU's five-game conference skid. Marissa Kresge's club closed out the weekend on Sunday afternoon with a 7-3 loss at Murray State. Junior Haley Glover tallied her third goal of the campaign, while seniors Catherine Ashley and Catherine Felton each scored their first tallies of the season in the losing effort. The Birds will be back in action this Sunday when they travel to SIU. The Illinois State Swimming and Diving Team opened their 2022 campaign in fine fashion on Saturday as the Birds took care of McKendry by a final count of 218 to 81. Redbirds won all but one event on the afternoon. ISU will return to action this Friday down in Champaign for a dual meet against both Illinois and SIU. The Redbird women's golf team posted a fifth-place finish last weekend at Bradley's Coyote Creek Classic. ISU will now head south to Charleston, South Carolina, where they will take part in the Buccaneer Classic beginning next Monday. The Redbird women's tennis team competed in the Missouri Valley Conference Individual Championships last weekend down in Springfield, Missouri. Freshman Navina Kolarevich won the Valley title in flight number three while senior Tara Donjanovic also played for a title in Flight 4, but lost her championship match on Sunday afternoon. And finally, the ISU men's tennis team enjoyed a great weekend at the 6th Annual Redbird Invitational. The Birds dominated the singles competition, going 23-7 throughout the three-day event at the Gregory Street Courts. That's a quick look at some of the latest headlines this week in Redbird Athletics when we come back. Our conversation with the longtime radio voice of Illinois State, Dick Lucky, stops by as In the Nest continues 
right after this timeout. Join us as we start up the basketball season Thursday, October 27th from noon to 1 at the Aaron Leach Stadium Club for the men and women's basketball tip-off luncheon. The luncheon will feature head coaches Kristen Gillespie and Ryan Peden along with members of their staffs. Tickets are $20 per person or buy a table of eight for $160 and get a chance to sit with the coach or student athlete. Tickets can be purchased at GoRebirds.com slash promotions by using the promo code TIPOFF22 or call the Redbird Ticket Office at 309 309- 438-8000. Welcome back to In the Nest. Our conversation this week with the longtime radio play-by-play voice for the Illinois State Redbirds, Dick Lucky, who spent 36 years on the microphone describing Illinois State men's basketball and another 32 years as the play-by-play voice for Redbird football. Dick, thanks so much for joining the show this week. I'm pleased to be on this In the Nest program. It's a good show. You're back this week on campus physically with homecoming, and you're going to emcee the Hall of Fame induction breakfast that takes place on Saturday before the football game. Yeah, and I, I enjoy doing that. It's a great event. Um, the inductees talk about their time at Illinois State, and some spend a little more time than others talking about it. They're limited. They only have so much time because after, immediately after that event is over, it's the homecoming parade in which they need to be uh, ready. But it's just so much fun to hear them talk about their time at Illinois State and how it affected them and how it's impacted the lives that they're living right now. Same can be said for you after 36 years associated on the broadcasts for Illinois State football and men's basketball. And when you talk about things like that, those events, different time periods throughout history in a very tradition-rich athletic department here at Illinois State University, you've really had a front-row seat for the vast majority. Do you remember the first Redbird broadcast? Oh, yeah, I do. It was a football game at Hancock Stadium against Western Illinois. Bob Otulski was the brand-new coach, former assistant at Indiana, and uh, the Redbirds won that game, although it turned out not to be a great season. They were 3-7 and seven that year, but they beat the Leathernecks. And, yeah, I remember that game. I know some guys who played for the Redbirds in that game now, and uh, it, it, it's a good memory. You obviously spent over three decades describing the action for football and men's basketball. Spent time working at the flagship station, WJBC, as well as another career at State Farm Corporate Headquarters. It's a very transient business. Oftentimes, 36 years is more than eternity for sports broadcasting. At what point did you get the bug to know that was the profession, the career choice that you wanted to pursue? Well, um, I was a little 9- or 10-year-old when I really realized that's what I wanted to do. I was listening to other radio play-by-play guys. One guy in particular who was the voice of the of the Minnesota Gophers at the time, his name is Ray Christensen, and later I got to know him when I went to the university and worked at the student radio station, and I got to, to know Ray Christensen because I was doing the same games he was doing, and it was so wonderful to get to know him. I actually... Uh, substituted uh, for him for a game right after I graduated. He had to miss a game, and I got to do it. It was a go-for-home game against the Wisconsin Badgers, and I'll never forget that. But I I knew what I wanted to do when I was a little kid, and the fact that I've gotten to do it is just incredible. It has been a dream come true. And uh, working here for so long, it's it's been beautiful. 
Outside of Minnesota, where you went to school, where did you start from a professional standpoint? My first job was in Crown Point, Indiana. It was a, a brand new radio station, WFLM, uh, and they did Crown Point High School football, basketball, baseball, and that's why I wanted to go there. And, and I, you know, it took me about a year after graduation, even though I did that gopher game, I, I just couldn't get a job. I, I almost had one in Rochester, Minnesota, but I didn't get it. And then finally I got a chance and it was just so wonderful and so exciting. The guy who hired me, I still keep in touch with. He lives up in Valparaiso, Indiana. John Meyer is his name and he's going through some health issues right now, but, uh, but I still go up to see him. And I just love the fact that he hired me because it got me going. And, and then after that, I went to, I only worked there for a couple of years, went to Indianapolis for four years and was a news journalist there. But I got to know a guy named Don Fisher, who is the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, has been now for over 40 years. He, he was, that was early in his career. I learned a lot from him about how to, how to verbally document football and basketball games. And, uh, and so after four years there, I got a play-by-play -play, sports job in, in the Quad Cities at Moline. Two years there, heard about an opening here. Uh, Art Kimball, who was my predecessor in this job, left to get a TV job in Peoria. And uh, I was told actually by Don Fisher, who knew the then Redbird basketball coach, Bob Donawald, to apply for that job. And I did, and I got it. Bob Donawald was one of Bobby Knight's assistants, if I'm correct on that. That's right, and that's where Don Fisher got to know him. And then he went from there to, to get the job here at Illinois State and had a lot of success here. He took three teams to the NCAA tournament. I was going to ask you, both from a basketball and from a football standpoint, have you counted the amount of head coaches that you've had an opportunity to work with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't I believe it's five in each category, although I don't definitively know that. But I've got a list of the, of the coaches at home. I've listed the coaches and the number of games I've worked with each one of them, and I've got it on my, uh, on my laptop at home. Do you rank who was the nicest to work with? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I will say that Bob Donawald was not. Uh, he and I had, had some issues, and it was, it was a, a struggle. And actually, there was a time after uh, I'd been here for about seven or eight years, Bob Donawald uh, left our station and and wouldn't do pre and post game shows with us and was actually doing them with another station with whom we were competing with rather successfully at the time so he was a guy that was a struggle to get along with but his the guy who took over for him I mean all of the coaches that I've worked with since football and basketball have been wonderful to work with Bob Bender was so much the opposite of Bob Donawald that uh, I just I couldn't believe it. Working with him was so tremendously delightful. You obviously work with head coaches both in football and men's basketball very closely. You spend an hour on a weekly coaches show. You interview before games, after the games. Getting along does help, but it's something that you're very close with. With regard to players, assistant coaches, even athletic department administration throughout the years, after 36 years, I would assume your role as the voice of the Redbirds really allowed the creation and probably maintenance of quite a few relationships in your current life. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do keep in touch with with uh, some of the coaches with whom I worked, some of the players with whom I worked. Um, Illinois State is, I mean, it's just a wonderful, wonderful school. I, I have, I have definitely a bigger affection for Redbird Athletics than I do for Gopher Athletics, my <laughs> alma mater, and any other school in the country. I've just, I've just loved getting to know people here. Not only the coaches with whom I worked, but women's basketball and volleyball coaches. Um, the softball coach who just retired from Illinois State, I, I, I got to know her very well. I mean, there are so many people here at Illinois State, the athletic directors with whom I worked. Uh, Larry Lyons, the, the most recent retiree, was so wonderful to get to know. Uh, and there are others who, who are in that, that role who, who are just beautiful. 36 years, we, I mentioned the fact it has been and continues to be, I think, across the country, a bit of a transient nature for the business. You don't have many play-by-play broadcasters, whether or not they move on, sometimes the rights change, things like that. But 36 years is a long time. At any point during your incredibly successful award-winning tenure as the voice of the Breadbirds, did you really think about maybe going somewhere else, pursuing another position? Oh, yeah, I did. I mean, when I first got here, I thought, yeah, I'll be here a while, but what I want to do is work uh, in the NBA. And the Minnesota Timberwolves came into existence in 1991, I believe it was, and I applied for that job, and I didn't get it. And right now I'm happy I didn't get it because the, the experience that I've had here since then and so what was that, nine plus, that was 31 years ago. Uh, I just, I mean, working in the NBA would have been a thrill to me at the time, but I know now that it wouldn't have been as good for me. It would have meant that I had to move my family away from here, and this, is, this was just a beautiful place for our two daughters to, to grow up. Uh, I'm glad I didn't get the job. Illinois State obviously pays just as well as the NBA does, too, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe not quite as much, but I'm okay financially. Uh, so it, it worked out perfectly. Talked about the fact that you retired at the end of the basketball season last year. A main impetus behind that was the time to actually be able to be a father and a grandfather, more importantly. Both of your daughters live in various parts, not in Bloomington Normal, so travel weekends, things like that, all of a sudden being free to do so. But that's a huge part to re- really be able to turn that page and, and spend some time with family. Yeah, it's maybe the biggest reason why I decided it was time for me to to uh, leave this job that I love so much. But both of my daughters have two kids, so four grandkids. Two of them are up in Evanston, Illinois. They're high schoolers. Uh, 17 and 14 years old. And then the other two are in Colorado Springs, which is a beautiful place to visit. And they're little ones. They're four and and one. And so you don't know this yet. You will know it before (laughs) before a long, long time. Um, Being a grandparent is just a beautiful thing. You can spoil them rotten and then send them back home with the parents. Exactly. And getting, I mean, it's, it's sort of like being a parent all over again, but not quite as much responsibility. <laughs> That's right. And so, and then, then anticipating where they're going. What are they going to be doing? 
And uh, I look at the teenagers that, that are my grandkids up in, in Evanston right now, and, and I just love thinking about who they're going to be 10, 15 years from now. People know voices on the radio as play-by-play broadcasters, especially the fan base, and they've obviously known you in this area for a long time. But when you really break things down as you talk about your daughters, your spouse, your grandkids, you had a career for the vast majority of it at State Farm Corporate. You were also gone virtually every weekend, either doing football or men's basketball, at least during the academic year. One night a week you were doing a coach's show as well. That puts a strain a little bit on the home life and your ability to be home. So having a not only supportive but very hand-in-hand partner spouse is incredibly important through this whole thing. It absolutely is. Um, Yeah, I mean, when I think back of who I was as a father, I question myself because of of uh, all of the things that I I was doing. if you ask my daughters, I think they'd tell you that I was okay, but I don't know if they'd be being truthful or not. It does make you think about, could I have done a better job? But if I hadn't had the chance to do what I did, especially as a broadcaster and as a, as a public affairs person, a, a company spokesperson at State Farm, which was also just a wonderful experience, would I be the person I am now, and therefore would I be the father that I was? So uh, I do think about that. It's a good question. You went on to State Farm, tremendously successful career off the broadcasting, but you started in broadcasting here, worked at the flagship station, WJBC, high school games, Illinois Wesleyan games for a span of time, Illinois State as well, also various day parts during the day. How much has this changed from a radio standpoint throughout your tenure of 36 years? Well, yeah, it was a lot different when my full-time job was at WJBC. And you mentioned working high school games, which I loved doing. I was working high school games when my daughters were at Bloomington High School, and so that was, that was neat. Um, one of them was the cheerleader, uh, but also working Wesleyan games. I mean, I did the, the, nation, the national championship victory game for – Illinois Wesleyan's basketball team in 1997. I'll never forget that. Uh, And there were a lot of other games at Wesleyan that were just so memorable, just like so many games at Illinois State. High school games had quite a few nights to the schedule as well, don't they? Absolutely. It was funny because I would do a a high school game Friday evening, sometimes talking now football. We'd maybe do a high school game in Decatur and then go to – Terre Haute and do the Redbird game the next day. Uh, basketball games. Uh, ISU used to play some early games. The Missouri Valley television game of the week started at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. And so we would do that once. Let's say it was here at home at Redbird Arena. And then Wesleyan would be playing a road game up at Elmhurst or something like that that night. And right after the game was over, we'd get in the car Is that right? and head to, uh, head to Elmhurst to do the Titans, two games in one day. With all the broadcasts you've done in town over those 36 years, both in high school, but mainly for Illinois State, you've gone through some various partners on the air, both in football and men's basketball. And without putting you on the spot, we talked about spending time getting along with head coaches throughout your tenure, but your on-air partners are just as important, isn't it? Oh, they're wonderful guys. I mean, Tom Hodgson, 
uh, was the guy that I first worked basketball with, a coach at Bloomington High School. He helped me adapt to this community. He made me feel like I belonged here. Uh, he was just a wonderful person. And then uh, Bob Morris, who still does, who uh, to, until just recently did uh, Redbird games on television, uh, former coach at U-High, another wonderful person that I'm still close to and friends with, and then Mike Matthews, my most recent uh, partner on the basketball broadcasts, who is a unique color man. And you'll get to know that better here <laughs> real soon, although you did work with him. Uh, back when you were here in the early 2000s. And, and that's when I had hair. <laughs> and he still has hair. Uh, he does. More than you do, actually. By a lot. And I, I blame him for the, my loss of hair that year. <laughs> but you will enjoy working with him. And then on the football side, uh, Kurt Swearingen, who was a star football player at, at Illinois Wesleyan, was my first uh, color man at, uh, at, for Illinois State Games, he later became a play-by-play -play guy. He's just so talented, such a great communicator. And I encouraged him to start doing some play-by-play. -play. And he did some high school games, and then he wound up doing Wesleyan basketball games as, as a, when I couldn't do one because of a conflict with the Illinois State schedule. He did it. And so he was a wonderful guy to work with. Um, Kenny Mossman, who was the sports information director here, left after uh, Kurt left the job he took over for a while the SIDs I've worked with at Illinois State are other guys that I'm so so fond of uh, Kenny was with me for a little while and then uh, Ted Schmitz after I had left uh, Illinois well left Illinois State and left WJBC and went to State Farm when I came back Ted Schmitz was my partner he has been ever since you know all about Ted uh, the fact he knows football so well. I mean, there are people, and I, who who I who I think are right, say that nobody knows the game better in this town than Ted Schmitz does. I think that's a valid argument, without a doubt. Yeah, he's so valuable, and uh, he's valuable to Brock's back too. He's close to Brock, and they communicate. And I think Ted helps Brock, no question about it. And Brock is helpful to Ted as well. So yeah, the the partners that I've worked with on the air. I can't imagine they could have been better anywhere else. Let's talk about the equipment. In 36 years, the equipment used to broadcast games has changed more than drastically and done so over and over and over again. We just, obviously last week, was in the Unidome in Cedar Falls, Iowa, lugging up a suitcase full of equipment up to the top step but what I am lugging up currently in 2022 is probably a fraction of what 36 years ago you guys used to have to lug up to press boxes yeah, and there's not an elevator right, to no. get to the press box at the Unidome <laughs> so that was one of the tough spots western Illinois is another one where it's challenging to get to the press box with all of your equipment but I'm not a technical expert by any means um, you you got to be better than I am in that area. But I've learned, you know, I, as you have to, you can learn how to put it together. Right. And uh, But still, there are challenges sometimes, and those are so frustrating uh, to deal with, and I, I think you know about that as well. And back in the day, I'm sure, especially doing high school games throughout the area, I'm sure back in the day when you started at WJBC, there were probably some 
stringing phone lines from people's office phones, things like that to get on the air. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you had to, back then, you had to order a, a phone line for every road game that you did, and it was pretty expensive. But still, WJBC was so committed to doing what its listeners wanted it to do that they, they would uh, broadcast road games all over the place. They would broadcast, and they still did until somewhat recently, uh, report coverage from games while they were doing play-by-play -play of one game. It was the, the income that they sacrificed in order to, to make sure that everybody was hearing all of the high school athletic events that they wanted to was amazing. This community really has embraced that aspect, I think, throughout the years, and that, that, that's a big part of how this community comes together. We, um, as we look forward to coming up this weekend, homecoming, doing the MC for the Hall of Fame luncheon, whether or not those were people that you directly covered during your time as a play-by-play -play voice or not, it has to bring back a lot of memories, though, of when you were the play-by-play -play voice and some of the great scenes and memories you have during that time. Oh, sure. And, and Marshawn Coprich is the best example of a player that I, that I did cover as a play-by-play -play announcer. Marshawn played with the Redbird football team from 12 to 15 and was a key person, was the running back, one of the best running backs in the country in the football championship subdivision when the Redbirds made it to the national championship game in 2014. That game actually played in 15. That was his junior year. He graduated in 15 when they again made it all the way to the quarterfinals in the playoffs. But he's I'm quite sure he's still the leading uh, ground gainer in the history of Illinois State football, so it'll be wonderful to have him back here. Mike Zimmer, who played football here when Ted Schmitz coached here, so he and, and Ted are still friends, and I know Ted will be thrilled to have Mike come back here, but uh, a good player here, but then even more successful as a coach in the NFL, head coach, the Vikings, my favorite NFL team, <laughs> for I believe it was eight seasons, and he had some. He brought him to the NFC Championship game one year, so it'll be tremendous to have him back here. And then the other three inductees are all females, so I didn't broadcast their games, but I so well remember when they were here. Heather Forsyth was a standout soccer player for the Redbirds. She led the Missouri Valley in goals and, and was named Missouri Valley Player of the Year when she was a junior and then as a senior she got injured and wasn't able to play too much. Um, Abby Olson, third baseman for, the, for a Melinda Fisher's softball team, outstanding power hitter. I'm not sure, at the time when she graduated she led the Redbirds in career home runs. Don't know if that's still the case or not. You'd have to ask Melinda to make sure about <laughs> that. But a, a great third baseman and a power hitter. Uh, led the league in, uh, in slugging percentage, I think, a couple of years. And then, um, oh, her, her last name is Rush. I've lost her first name. It starts with an A. Can't come up with it. But anyway, she played uh, here volleyball for four years, was Missouri Valley All-Conference all four years, and... Uh, was was an outstanding player as well. So it'll be just so fun to hear them talk about their time here at Illinois State uh, at the at the Hall of Fame breakfast on Saturday. Ashley Rush, Ashley, the yeah. 
2016 graduate, four-time MVC first-team selection, and three-time MVC all-tournament team member. Yeah, yeah. And the volleyball program here has been so good for so long, so consistently strong, and she was a big part of that during that era. You know, I'd be remiss in speaking with you as we talked about WJBC and the legacy. I believe it's 90 years now this year that they've been covering Illinois State Athletics, which is an incredibly long amount of time when you go across the country and look at flagship stations. But in doing so, the the wealth of talent that has been in this position for the voice of the Redbirds throughout the years that that you built up to be what it was, but the lineage is really incredible when you go back through the years of some of the people who held that position. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm losing track of names now, but the guy who did the Bulls for a long time was Jim Durham. Jim Durham, outstanding. I remember I loved listening to his uh, coverage of the Bulls on the radio, and then later on he was a TNT TV mm-hmm. guy for the NBA playoffs. Durham was outstanding. Um, Mike Matthews' brother, uh, now the voice of, of the Kansas City Royals, Denny Matthews, was here as well. Uh, and to follow in the footsteps of, of those two guys, Art Kimball, uh, the guy I mentioned earlier, an outstanding play-by-play man as well. There have been so many of them here. And now uh, John Fitzgerald is uh, an outstanding play-by-play announcer. So the trend continues here at Illinois State. Well, I don't know about that. But the other name that came up, and he wasn't associated with WJBC. I think this was back in the day when they had multiple rights. Uh, Joe Tate spent three years here, yes. and he went for about 45 years as the voice of the first and only voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers for about four decades, I think. And he did the Cleveland Indians as, as well. well. That's right. So he was a big uh, star in Cleveland, but that's right. He was here, and I think he worked for he worked for another station that did some Redbird games. Yep. Mark Johnson obviously has gone on to do some great things. Yep. Uh, he preceded me the first time around. As you go through this, obviously you built up the lineage with those 36 years. Any last-minute bits of advice? I'm glad you mentioned Mark because, yeah, I loved listening to him as I've loved listening to you back when you followed Mark and now, uh, and Mark now the voice of the, of, the, uh, of the University of Colorado. We got to see him, actually. The birds play it out. Colorado State, the Buffaloes had a a game, an open week, and so he came to that game, came up to the press box. It was so wonderful to see Mark. But now I've lost track of your question. What was it? I need some advice. How do I live up to you? That's what, that's what we're getting at here. You be yourself, which is a good thing. No, that's not a good thing. Ask my wife. Well, she may not fully understand it. We all have to be who we are, and we all do it a little differently. And that's why I love listening to other announcers. They all, and I learn from other, I'm, I'm learning from you. So if I ever get to do another game, that'll be helpful. But, but listening to other play-by-play guys, and, and I mentioned this earlier, Don Fisher, the guy who does Indiana's games, I might have learned more from him than from anybody else. Also the guy I listened to when I was a kid, Ray Christensen at uh, WCCO in Minneapolis, the voice of the Gophers for so long. It's just everybody has a unique style, and that's what I love about, about radio. And radio play-by-play is different than television play-by-play, as you know. You get to, I mean, you're, 
you're painting the picture for somebody who's blind. They're not at the game. Right. They can't see it. You got to paint it for them. Whereas you don't get to do that on television. If you say too much on TV, you're rightly criticized because you're insulting the person who's watching the game. So that's why I loved doing radio much more than I would have loved doing television play-by-play. -play. And, and uh, so that would be my advice for you. Just paint that picture as you, as you have done this year and will continue to do. Dick, thanks so much for the time. It was great seeing you. The legendary voice of the Illinois State Redbirds, Dick Lucky, has been our guest here on In the Nest. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll preview this homecoming week here on the Illinois State University campus. Stay with us. We're back after this timeout. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to In the Nest as we take a look at the week ahead. In Redbird Athletics, it's homecoming week on the ISU campus. Brock's back in the Illinois State football team. We'll look to make it two straight in conference play as they entertain the Coyotes of South Dakota this Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock inside Hancock Stadium. Alley Matters and the Redbird Volleyball team open a two-match Valley homestand this Friday night against Indiana State. Match time is at 6 o'clock versus the Sycamores, and then on Saturday night, it's the Birds and Evansville in a 7 o'clock start inside Redbird Arena. The Redbird men's and women's cross-country teams will be in Peoria to take part in the Bradley Classic. Race time is set for 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon. The Illinois State swim team will be in Champaign to meet both the Illini and SIU in a dual meet this Friday beginning at 3 p.m. Women's soccer will visit Carbondale on Sunday. They'll do battle with SIU in a 1 o'clock start. The men's golf team will take part in the Dayton Invitational beginning on Monday morning while the ISU women's golf team travels to Charleston, South Carolina to compete in the Buccaneer Classic at Charleston Southern University. That two-day tournament will also get underway on Monday. The Brock's Back Show, presented by Bud Light, returns tomorrow night from the Beer Garden at Schooners. We will be on the air beginning at 6 o'clock on AM 1230 and 102.1 WJBC, as well as the Learfield Varsity Network app. Fans make plans to join us this weekend. It's homecoming 2022. There will be a ton of activities throughout campus, including a blood drive, 5K run walk, parade, and tailgating. Leading up to the Redbird football team playing host to South Dakota in a 2 o'clock start on Saturday, October 15th inside Hancock Stadium. For more information on all the homecoming festivities on campus, visit homecoming.illinoisstate.edu. And finally, men's basketball has announced that their game against SIU Edwardsville on Saturday, December 10th will be played inside Horton Fieldhouse. It'll be the first men's game to be played, the former home of the Birds, in 34 years. Due to limited capacity, season ticket holders will be offered the first chance to purchase tickets to the game, which will be preceded by a Legends Lunch. 
featuring Hall of Famer Doug Collins. That'll do it for this week's episode. For Dick Lucky, the longtime Hall of Fame radio voice of the Illinois State Redbirds and our entire crew, this is John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next week right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network.